A lot happened over the weekend in Big Ten basketball. We've got our Locked On host syndicate, their takes on what some of their teams did. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day of the week. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to Jacob Rude from Locked On Hoosiers and Zach Seiko from Locked On Nittany Alliance. The Hoosiers have lost twice over the last week since the last time we talked to Jacob, while Zach Seiko's team got a big win over the weekend against Illinois. Last we talked to him, he was telling us about how this Nittany Lions team was going to cause some havoc here in the Big Ten. It is early in December. We'll talk to both of those guys here to start off the show, but first, as we get into the program, today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's dive right in here. Jacob Rude with Locked On Hoosiers. His team has lost twice since the last time we talked to him over the last week or so. What's going on and how are teams finding the formula to beat Indiana? We're going to talk to him about that right now to start off the show. Hey, Locked On Big Ten, alongside Jacob Rue, the host of Locked On Hoosiers, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to get into some of the struggles for IU basketball to start things off today. Jacob, since the last time we talked, this team has suffered two losses, uh, one of them just last night to a really good team, or by the time people are hearing this on Saturday night, to a good team in Arizona. The other one a little bit more of a head-scratcher and a loss to Rutgers. But let's start with the most recent of losses back on Saturday night. Hoosiers lose to the Wildcats. What was the problem in that one? Well, it turns out you can't spot a really good team, almost a 20-point lead early on, and expect to win the game. There were, I mean, kind of bigger picture. There were a handful of things. That's a really good Arizona team. That's a matchup problem with everybody. Having as much size and athleticism and um, just the ability to get up and down the court with having basically two seven-footers is very rare. So, I mean, the first thing I think it's just that Arizona is really good. The other thing though, I mean, uh, I use defense as kind of taking a step back. Um, that's been a recurring trend in a couple of these losses or in both these losses, I should say. Uh, and the other big thing is not having Jalen hood Shafino, which is, uh, the problem has been compounded by Xavier Johnson, not having great games in either of those. And when you both of your point guards are out, it's created some havoc for Indiana. Um, but mostly I would say the defense just kind of not being at the level that it was at the end of last season so far, at least in these big games, has been one of the the biggest issues for Indiana early on in the season. Uh there was a certain level of kind of desperation they were playing with at the end of last season because they knew if they didn't play defense, they weren't going to win the game and the season was going to be over. They haven't really brought that level of defense to this season, uh, maybe expectedly so. You don't need to be desperate in December, uh, but that's kind of what separated this team from where they were defensively last season. And 
when you come up uh, against a really, really good Arizona team like they did on Saturday, that margin of error is really thin. And if you're not playing at your best, then it's going to look ugly. It looked ugly at times, but there were still some positives for Indiana in that one. Is that defense at a point now where you're worried about it in the long term for the season, where it's more than it's just a couple of games with this team struggling? I'm not worried about it long term because they did play good defensively against a North Carolina. Uh, and they, Xavier at times, I mean, there have been times in these uh, Xavier, Rutgers, Arizona, kind of their biggest games that they've played well defensively. Uh, I'm not worried about it necessarily, but I mean, it is a recurring thing. If nothing else, it's kind of been the common denominator through all these big games is that the defense hasn't played it at quite the level that we thought it would. Um, I still trust that. I mean, this is a team that still has really good defenders and both the perimeter and in the paint. So I still trust that Mike Woodson will get them back to that level. Maybe it just took a, a game against a really top team for them to finally realize that, hey, we can't just kind of uh, skirt by playing subpar defense. We'll see how they respond. I mean, they're going to have another really tough test against Kansas next week, but so far I'm not too concerned about it yet. It seems like you're saying that uh, I use beating itself more than it is getting beat by teams. To a certain degree. Um I mean, they still have their own limitations, but even then last night or well, Saturday night, um, they had five players in double figures. Teams are throwing everything at Trace Jackson Davis and and telling IU to to win with other people. And they did that to a certain degree on um, Saturday, but they killed themselves with turnovers early on that got them in that big hole. Uh, they weren't getting defensive stops when they needed to. And it kind of compounded and snowballed in the first half to where they got in this big hole. They fought back and got it to five, six points a couple of different times, but they couldn't really get over that hump, which it's going to be really hard to when you dig that big of a hole. Again, though, I mean, it, it it's an Arizona team that could take advantage of that, but there was also that Rutgers game that they lost. They gave up 13 offensive rebounds in the first half, which is, uh, it's, I don't want to say necessarily an effort thing, but that's an uncharacteristic thing that they did. And it's not necessarily a strength of Rutgers. So I think in some capacity, these losses have been a bit of them shooting themselves in the foot. You mentioned Trace Jackson Davis a second ago, and teams have made an effort to stop him. He's been stopped. He has not been great in the two games IU's lost. He's fouled out in both of the games that IU's lost, but he's gotten decent playing time and minutes to get himself some points. But what is it with him and getting contained by other teams that seems to be working, and how much of that is going into what's been the successful game plan for these guys who have beaten IU? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing defenses just sell out on stopping him. At times against Arizona, he was being triple teamed. Uh, the fouling out, I think, against Arizona was simply they have two seven-footers that are really tough matchups. It was more of a maybe a concerning thing against Rutgers or an uncharacteristic thing. But Rutgers kind of laid out the game plan in some ways. Uh, they did it as well, where they were just kind of selling out, sending doubles, um, sending a lot of pressure to Trace and, and daring other players to beat them. 
Against Rutgers, absolutely nobody but Miller Cop showed up, and it got really ugly. Against Arizona, like I said earlier, there were four other guys that finished in double figures, and it helped IU get back into that game and make up that big deficit into the second half where it was a competitive second half after IU was down 18 points early on. So it's uh, it's kind of a new thing that Indiana's having to figure out how to um, – play with I guess in that teams are just really selling out on trace how are you going to take advantage of that on offense and when I said there were positives from Saturday that was one of them because IU really started to take advantage of that and figure out how to play almost four on three when defenses are selling out on trace and and take advantage of those opportunities what I'm interested in knowing from you is what you think the answer is to that problem because in those two games you have him fouling out, I said, but also in what is more than 30 minutes of playing time in both of those games, he was third on the team in shots taken in, again, that's partly because teams are all over him on defense, but is the answer then for him to be the dominant big 10 player that he has supposed to be this season and take over, or is it more, you think on the responsibility of the guys around him to be more of a filler in and be more productive around him? It, it's kind of what you want, and I think what you what's going to happen. I will say there was a really long stretch in that Arizona game where he didn't even take a shot, which is like you can't have that. Even if they're sending doubles at him, there was a stretch for almost I, – I can't remember the exact amount, but it was 15, 16 in-game minutes where he didn't take a, a shot – you can't have that. Like, no matter what defenses are being sent at him, he still needs to be an active part of your offense. But Trace is just the kind of player that he's going to make, I guess, the right play regardless. Like, if he's being doubled, he's going to pass out of it. He's not the type of guy who's going to, even if he can, which I think at times he he could, he could fight through that double team and score. That's just not kind of the mindset he has. He's going to pass out and rely on his teammates to take advantage of that opportunity. So I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword where he's making the right play and relying on his teammates, but his teammates at times haven't really helped him out there. Um, So it's a matter, I think, of him needing to be a bit more aggressive in certain scenarios, but... It, ultimately, that's just going to be kind of how things are going to go. If teams send doubles at him, he's going to defer, not defer, but he's going to find the open teammate and rely on them to make the play. So, again, it's one of those things. It's only been a couple times now that this season that teams have really done it. The Rutgers game was a disaster in, in that regard. This game was much better. So the hope is if they're going to keep doing this, I can get better at handling it and if they start having success against it, then it's a new defense you're going to have to throw at them, and, and maybe that leads to more success specifically for Trace. A minute ago, Jacob, before we leave Trace Jackson Davis, you said that one of those foul outs were just because there were the big guys down low he was going to have to go up against and defend. Is he got taking those fouls? Because there's just going to be games where those fouls happen, and he can't be the guy who's sitting on the bench as a result of it. Yeah, he's an aggressive shot blocker, so it's it's bitten him at times. Um, and I think that defense, I guess, is he the one who's being instinctively the one who people are driving towards all the time? Because yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's the rim protector. He's always kind of the one positioned at the front of the rim to 
try to deter shots and block shots. So a lot of times it ends in him swinging at a, a bl- or to block a shot and getting a foul call or uh, that's, that's kind of what happened against Rutgers last night. It was just a lot of one-on-one kind of bully ball at times. And, and I mean, the, it was a game with a lot of fouls called and uh, which I think would, <laughs> is probably going to happen in a lot of Arizona games. Uh, with that size, and and it happens in a lot of Indiana games with the way that they uh, play in the interior. But the the foul problems, I'm not worried about them necessarily. the The way that IU has him positioned defensively as a rim protector, um, especially when you're playing against as much size as Arizona has, it it was going to probably be an issue. Like I I, I anticipated there was a chance he could be in foul trouble against Arizona. I, I just think it was just kind of how he plays defensively, how IU has him in Arizona having two seven footers that could kind of just continue to go at him throughout the night. But not something Jacob's concerned about yet. IU has some time off to get itself together before it faces off again, as he mentioned, against a really good Kansas team next Saturday. But while the basketball team's taking a break, Jacob, I want to touch on before we go, Indiana soccer facing off in the College Cup Championship against Syracuse. The men's soccer team going for the national title here today, on Monday, later on this afternoon in North Carolina. Uh, Jacob, what's this team about? This team has made a nice, of course, run to the championship game against the Orange, and Indiana's been a pretty powerful soccer program for a little while now, but they're back in the national championship game again. Yeah, the stat that I've kind of kept reiterating, which is, almost mind-boggling and the last I use had a soccer program for 50 seasons this is the 22nd time they've been in the college cup which is the final four so just short of half the times there's been a college cup Indiana's been in it uh they're back in the title game tonight they gotten there on the back of a really strong defense they have not conceded a goal in the NCAA tournament yet uh, but more than anything, they're just peaking at the right time. This wasn't the best Indiana team that they've had in recent years going through the regular season, even into the Big Ten tournament a little bit. They did get to the Big Ten title game, but they lost to Rutgers 3-1 uh, to one in that one. And so they just have kind of slowly gotten better and gotten better. And now that the tournament's here, they're really peaking at the right time. They're playing really well. Um, they're really sure in possession. They, they have a couple of options offensively that are creating Wittenbrink. Uh, Ryan Wittenbrink was on the team a couple of years ago during the COVID season that lost in the national title game. And so he's led the team back to the title game this season. So it, it's been a team that's kind of relied on a really strong defense, a couple of guys up front that can really create uh, the goals and create the chances. And then, just riding that wave of momentum. A lot of times when you get to a national title game, it's just kind of about having momentum on your side, and that's what it's been. Um, They're coming up against a good Syracuse team that has been, I mean, they're 18-2-4 on the season, so it's not a team that's lost a whole lot. They've competed with the best teams in the uh, the country throughout the year. They were seeded third in the tournament. Uh, IU was 13th. To give you a sense, like I said, that IU wasn't at its best all season. So it's going to be a tough task. Um, but I, I, I'm i optimistic about Indiana because, like I said, the, a, a strong defense is going to keep you in most games. And then just this momentum that they have right now, it, it, it's a very confident bunch. 
right now in the Big Ten Quinn Championship here later today. So go ahead and watch it. Syracuse and Illinois later on this afternoon for the soccer championship. Jacob Rood with Locked On Hoosiers, of course, will be covering that and everything else going on in Indiana sports over on his show Monday through Friday. Stay up to date on everything you need to know with Indiana over at Locked On Hoosiers. Jacob, thank you again for taking some time to talk to us. As always. Thanks again to Jacob Rood for joining us for a couple of minutes here on Locked On Big Ten. We're going to continue our look at some of the Big Ten basketball as of late as Penn State's Zach Seiko of Locked On Nittany Lions comes on to join us on the program. Before we get to Zach, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn is the biggest professional network out there on the web. You probably already have a LinkedIn account. So if you head on over to LinkedIn Jobs, it's that much easier for you to go seamlessly into finding the next step in your career. Head on over to LinkedIn Jobs right now and see what I'm talking about. And if you're someone looking to post a job and find the next great candidate, you can do it for free by heading on over to locked or to linkedin.com slash Locked on college. LinkedIn.com slash locked on college is the place to go to make sure that you can make the perfect selection on your next hiring decision. It's LinkedIn Jobs, the largest network of people that you could find, so you know that you're going to be able to find the right candidate for your open position. Again, it's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free today. Let's dive in now with Zach Seiko of Locked On Nittany Lions. His team picked up its first big win of the season against Illinois, and the Nittany Lions have not lost by double digits all year still. So what has been the key to that consistency that we've seen and that Zach Seiko alluded to when we talked to him last time on the show? We'll get into all of that right now here as we continue on Locked On Big Ten. Hey, you're tuned into Locked On Big Ten. Everything you need to know about the conference every day. Zach Seiko from Locked On Nittany Lions is joining us to go over the biggest signature win of the season so far for that veteran team. Beat up on Illinois pretty bad over the weekend. A 15-point W. Zach, we talked about how this team had experience, how we were expecting it to maybe overplay the expectations, and we got the first real taste of that against this win over the Illini. How did it happen? It happened with, uh, I mean, Penn State shot 50% of the field, so that definitely helps, uh, both uh, from just every shot they took and also from three-point range. You had Miles Dredd in other games where he couldn't make a shot, and instead he makes multiple three-pointers, shooting nine attempts, and was basically, he and Andrew Funk went on a heat streak, basically. Uh, So Miles Dredd was five for nine. And Andrew Funk was six for nine. So when you have those two guys combining for uh, 11 three-pointers there, it's pretty much, I I don't want to say impossible to beat Penn State, but shooting 50% from the field helps. You had Jalen Pickett, who contributed 20 points as well. Uh, And also important to note, they didn't play any big guys whatsoever. They, They played... All, all of their guys were six foot six and shorter. Uh, they really were content with playing small ball. And I think that's how it happened, if I'm being honest, is that they were able to use the speed to outmatch the size of Illinois. And that was something I brought up in some of my Locked on Nittany Lions episodes was how were they going to adjust when they were absolutely 
outsized on the front court and, and they went even smaller. They didn't even bring in guys like Keba Jai or Caleb Dorsey, who are a little bigger. Keba Jai is about six foot 10, uh, could grow into six eleven, And then Caleb Dorsey's a little on the shorter side for a big man at six, seven, six, eight. So they didn't even play. And you saw Penn state probably play its best game to the point this season. So clutch shooting, hot shooting, uh, but also at the same time, the speed that they were able to just beat Illinois up and down the floor. Illinois ran full court press, and I thought Penn State handled it very well. That's something that you think is sustainable. Can Penn State just run past teams that are it's bigger than? Uh, they're going to have to. It's the kind of the same thing. They're just going to have to get hot, you know. Um, it's not sustainable because we've seen them when they have poor shooting performances, they lose and they lose bad. Uh, the Michigan state game, for example, they went scoreless in the last five minutes of the game that that's unacceptable, but somehow they beat an Illinois team by double digits. And I said, before the spread even came out, I said, Illinois is easily a 10 point favorite in this game. I thought that Penn state would keep it close ish because this felt the kind of bounce back game that they needed. It's so weird. If Penn state in general, when it comes to football or basketball, they just love being the road underdogs for some odd reason. They just really do well when they are like double digit or just handed underdogs and they go out there and perform very well. So that was even back to Pat chambers uh, that crosses over to even James Franklin in football. Uh, and now here with Micah Shrewsbury, they they just get up for these kinds of games where they're really not expected to do anything. But when they're the favorite, uh, they disappoint at home. No problem. Well, that's the Big Ten for you. And there's plenty of yeah. tough competition coming for Penn State in the Big Ten. But we talked a lot about how some of these teams in the conference have had some really, really tough competition in the non-conference schedule and how that can be strategic. Uh, Penn State went kind of the other way around. They've gotten some really nice warm-up games in here in the non-conference schedule, but not gone too tough on themselves. Is that strategic too? I thought the non-conference schedule was pretty balanced. Uh, you're, I think you're right to say that it wasn't overtly tough because they did play teams like Winthrop, uh, Loyola, but at the same time, they also scheduled Butler. Uh, they happened to play a Virginia Tech team and Furman in the Charleston Classic. And both of those teams were, they're very good. They're very highly regarded in Ken Palm rankings. I encourage a lot of people to go check that out. That's kind of where I get all of my college basketball understanding is checking Ken Palm almost every single day to see where everyone stands. Uh, and those teams are in the upper echelon at the least. Uh, Furman's a very good mid-major team that's been around the 60s. Uh, for Ken Palm rankings, but they, they also played a good Clemson team, and that was a road game. Uh, we've seen Clemson's almost uh, up to double-digit wins at this point in the season with only just a couple of losses. So uh, Penn State's schedule was definitely not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think they challenged themselves because they were playing teams that also went against their style. Like a Virginia Tech team is easily a tournament team. And that's a team that could honestly win the ACC. Yeah, I know there's Duke. I get that. But they could at least challenge for the ACC this season. Uh, and when you play a team like that, I know that happened to be just the way the schedule was, the way the tournament broke for the Charleston Classic. But um, they they were in there with Virginia Tech and only lost by a few. So uh, that tells me that Penn State uh, is good, but they're definitely streaky. Well, then how do you straighten that out? How do you get some consistency as you get ready for the Big Ten schedule? 
that's just the identity this year for this Penn State team. Um, there's really not much you can do. The only thing that I'm looking for and something that I brought up in other Locked on Nittany Line episodes are uh, getting Kebajai to mature as much as possible. He's the true freshman. He's been the freshman other than Evan Mahaffey, who's been seeing a lot of minutes, at least for a freshman. Uh, he's been the one that they've turned to a bit. Now, he didn't play much against Illinois, only had two minutes, and that's he didn't he didn't play. He checked in a couple of times, but uh, Kebajai has seen sometimes 20 minutes in games and he's got all the potential in the world. However, he's still young. He's still inexperienced and they have high hopes for him. But I think the key of Penn State wants to be able that team that team that can adapt on the fly. They need him and another taller prospect in Demetrius Lilly, who actually saw his first action. Uh, in, in the Big Ten play against Illinois. Only got hit for a minute, but he saw some action. If those two can somehow mature by March, then Penn State has an extra element, an element that teams might not be ready for, opponents might not be ready for. So then they're thinking, oh, well, they, can, they, they can't size up with us. They're only going to play fast. They're going to play fast. We'll just slow them down. And then they turn to those guys who are six foot 10. It, it's about, I know that's a lot to ask. And I've said that, I've acknowledged that. It's too much to ask those freshmen, but if Micah Shrewsbury can prepare them, then Penn State can take that extra step. If not, you're just kind of waiting around. Maybe they can surprise, sneak in the tournament, but this isn't like a a, a totally over-dominant team, unless they can keep shooting 50% every single night. But that's, uh, like you said, not really sustainable. So what is the goal? You mentioned the tournament there, right there on the back end, uh, going 500 in Big Ten play when we get to there, making the NCAA tournament. Uh, where are the expectations at compared to when we talked at the start of the season? Has anything changed? I think it's still bubble team. I, I really do. And that's what, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from the fan perspective, just kind of looking at the social media comments, the message boards, and people were up in arms about losing to Michigan State at home. You know, these are the games we're supposed to win. We're just the same old Penn State. You know, we, we were led to believe that this was a bubble team. And yeah, <laughs> but so much can change in a few days, right, Nate? I mean, for them to lose that one at home to a banged up Michigan State team, then somehow go on the road to Illinois and beat a team that just beat number two Texas in overtime. I, it's just college athletics in general because you see that happen in football too, right? It's not just college men's basketball, but it's crazy to think how that works. You're a five-point favorite essentially at home against a hobbled Michigan State team. You lose outright. Then you're almost a double-digit underdog going on the road. No one's really giving you a chance, and you win by double digits on the road against a much better Illinois team. Like Illinois should contend for the Big Ten, not necessarily Michigan State unless they get healthy at the right time. So I, I just think that uh, with the expectations, they were they were brought back, or at least people just kind of sold out of them, saying like, "Oh, this is just your you know your wishy washy Penn State team," and that's just not the case. They're going to go on cold streaks, but when they're on when they're hot, they're on fire, and I think they can beat anybody in the Big Ten. But at the same time, they really have to heat up because they they're they're streaky. They're ice cold or they're red hot. There's really there's really no in between to be honest with you. Salseco told us that the Nittany Lions are going to be feisty when we talked to him at the beginning of the season. They've made some noise in the Big Ten already, getting a big win over Illinois. And, of course, whenever they do anything else, we'll have Zach back on to talk to us about it here on Locked On Big Ten. One more before we let you go, Zach. Bowl game thoughts. Yeah. Just We'll have you in to talk more about it, of course, later on. But just first impressions as you guys get ready for the bowl game. 
Yeah, the Rose Bowl is exciting. I mean, this was something that I was fortunate enough to kind of put the puzzle pieces together and, and create a whole episode around the speculation of it because personally, I had them in the Orange Bowl. I thought that with the way the conferences were set up for the bowl games that they would get selected there since they haven't been there since 2005. Um, and they the rumors about the Rose Bowl started opening up and you start putting things together, putting the clues together. And then Ohio State came outright and said, Rose Bowl, if we don't make the college playoff, do not invite us. And Penn, you know, they said, invite Penn State, take Penn State instead. And that was legitimate. And that was the case. So you were already kind of leaning in that Ohio State was going to get selected by the college football playoff committee. And they did. And then who's the next best team? Because Michigan can't be picked. It's going to be Penn State. So uh, that's how that happened. So this is this is huge uh, since that the traditional Rose Bowl, traditional Rose Bowl is going away with the college football playoff. Uh, they get to face a team for the first time in, in school history for both of them. Penn State and Utah have never played each other in football. So all around, it's going to be an exciting game. It's the final game before the national championship. So I like that as well. Uh, and both of these teams, at least for the time being, match up pretty well. Uh, Penn State will, we saw that Parker Washington declared for the draft, but he's not necessarily, he wasn't necessarily going to play in that game either. Uh, but Penn State, I think, uh, does have... If they can figure out how to maneuver the secondary, because that's where Utah's a little weak, uh, they can get some yards against them. But Utah does force the turnover uh, on defense. I, I think there's going to be some points, but not necessarily a shootout like the Rose Bowl was last year between Ohio State and Utah. More leading up to that bowl game, more on everything that Penn State's going to be doing. You can hear it all at Zach on Locked On Nittany Lions every single day of the week, just like we do it over here on Locked On Big Ten. Zach, thanks for joining us for a couple of minutes to talk that big upset win over Illinois over the weekend. We'll have you back on here again soon. Hey, thanks for having me, Nate, always. Thanks again to Zach for joining us here on the program. Before we go, a reminder today's show is brought to you in part by Simply Safe. Simply Safe is home security that you can trust at a price that isn't going to break the bank. Don't get robbed just trying to make sure that you're not getting robbed. Simply Safe has the security system that you need, and for me, it's about their 24 7 monitoring system. The cameras that they're putting up, not only do they have the technology to make sure that you're able to check in and see what's going on at your house at any time, but for less than a dollar a day, you can make sure that there's 24-7 surveillance on your home at all times to make sure that when you're not there to make sure everything's safe, and when you don't have time to keep an eye on everything, somebody is always. You can get it all over at Simply Safe, and you can save a whole lot of money on it right now, too. You don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. A big thank you again to both Jacob Rood and Zach Seiko for joining us here on the program today. A reminder, you can follow Locked On Big Ten wherever it is you get your podcasts on YouTube if you haven't been watching the show before, and also follow us on Twitter. It's all at Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Big One Zero at the end, not T-E-N when you're typing it out. I'm Nate Dickinson at Nate with Sports. Coming up next time on Locked On Big Ten, we're going to have a conversation with Trent Condon. His team has a new quarterback and could be making some changes in personnel, too, on the football side. We'll get into things with the host of Locked On Hawkeyes tomorrow on Locked On Big Ten. Until then, this has been Nate Dickinson. You've been listening to Locked On Big Ten.